Welcome to Married to Movies. Industry insiders John Russell and Tracy Kring live and work happily in cinematrimony. They're sharing behind-the-scenes adventures of writing, producing, and appreciating films. Good morning, babe. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Just uh, enjoyed a little uh, prick this morning. Excuse me? Uh, not you. Oh, thank you. Nothing little about me. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> I had to get some uh, blood work. Oh, then... that kind of prick. But... They, that... wouldn't, they wouldn't do me. No, they wouldn't do you. They said... Our lab doesn't work with your doctor. And the way she said it was like, there's a problem with your doctor. Apparently so. Apparently so. Apparently my doctor has been doing things while people have been under her or something. I don't know what's going on, but uh, there's a big cover up and uh, <laughs> they don't want to. Oh, here we go. I told you to silence that. I did silence it. We actually, you know, and I tell people this all the time about our marriage. We are not good communicators. <laughs> <laughs> you, that, do you tell people all the time? I that. do. Just walk up to random people. By the way, by the way, we we're don't terrible at communicating. No, this is the which thing. is why we're in the business of communicating. <laughs> no, in our relationship, I think everybody is can say that they have trouble sure. with communication. No, but in I, I think we're I mean, really bad at it because we don't have a nine to five where we are separate separated for right. a certain period of the day, and then we come back together and we have to recommunicate. You know the the highlights of things that have happened to us. We're together 24-7. I think also we have kind of determined that this is a different thing. You know, actually performing together on this podcasting. I mean, we're not performing, but it is well, like we are performative. Yeah, it is. It is performative. We're trying to entertain. We're trying to inform. And it brings out different uh, different issues. I'm I'm critical. Yeah, and you I'm know. an editor. Like every <laughs> facet of my being you're, is an editor. You're critical, and then you're also critical of how non-critical I can be. Well, yeah, because <clears throat> I want like I give critique, and I enjoy getting critique back. Mm-hmm. Not like nasty stuff, but like I enjoy hearing. Oh, Tracy, you you. Like I noticed about myself, I repeat everything. You repeat everything? I repeat everything. (laughs) I don't know where this comes from. That is a classic... 60 minutes where you tell you ask somebody the question in the way that you want them to answer oh yeah yeah that's their tactic that's their tactic so what you're saying is is that the man touched you in a place you didn't appreciate the man touched me in a way i didn't appreciate right (laughs) that didn't happen no, um, I noticed that I will tell a story or tell a, a thing, say a thing, and then circle right back around and say it again. I don't know where that comes from and why I feel the need. Maybe I feel like innately I don't communicate well. Maybe I feel like... Maybe you feel like you're not being heard. I actually woke up this morning and we woke up early to go to the lab. Right. And I immediately was on TikTok. That's just me. Okay. Immediately. Like I got it. I got to find something on TikTok that I can learn. Or uh, So I was listening to this People lady. have a wrong idea about TikTok. I, I, I think that we should point this out. A lot of people think TikTok is just a bunch of people 
doing silly dances or uh, talking about their, you know, how to make, you know, their favorite foods or unboxings, unboxings okay. and that and that type of thing. And if you lean into that, that's what the algorithm will show you. Mm-hmm. But if you start liking and watching for longer amounts of time content that you do enjoy, that's what will start coming to you. The algorithm will shoot that stuff to you. So this morning... It was, uh, they were talking to like this lady and she's like a primatologist. And she was saying that they were looking at this certain troop of chimpanzees and inside, that's what they're called, a troop. Inside this, um, troop, troop, Mm. (laughs) I keep repeating myself. There you go. (laughs) There were several chimpanzees that were experiencing depression symptoms. They were not eating with the other. Were they watching Euphoria? Yeah. That'll do it. But, like, you think about, like, why would animals display depression? Right. Right? Because of the things, you know, that we know about maybe their world. You know, there was a supply of food. There was not much struggle. What was the family situation with the uh, chimpanzees? Did they, they have happy family lives? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were just normal, like the completely normal situation. Like they're a dad or they're a mom or so whatever. So it wasn't like an experiment, like we're trying to take things away from these chimpanzees. No, 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 no. They were just in the wild. Okay. So the primatologists are like, well, interesting. Let's see. Because, you know, we do this to things in nature like we fuck with them so let's see what happens if we remove the depressed chimpanzees from the troop okay so they removed them for six months and then they brought the chimps back to see what the changes would be in the dynamics of the culture interesting and for that six months they started to work at uh, an amazon uh hub house (laughs) right (laughs) a distribution (laughs) yeah distribution hub exactly yes (laughs) yeah we put them to work so uh they ask people like what do you think will be the change what will be the dynamic shift okay you tell me what do you think they will observe reuniting the depressed chimps with the troop they were dead what the troop died the troop without the depressed chimpanzees died died whoa okay and what they have figured out um is that the depressed chimpanzees were important to the culture and survival of the group Okay. In what way? Because the troop were sensing right. factors, environmental factors. Okay. And they were sad about it. Okay. So the, it was like the depressed chimpanzees were the canary in the coal mine. Exactly. Right. That is exactly what she said. That the we are all like canaries and we need the depressed chimps basically to tell us, even to tell the canary that there's a problem coming. The canary, canary just dies. What was the problem that killed the uh, rest of the troop? Well, the depressed um, eight chimpanzees were possibly sensing a food shortage coming. Okay. They were sensing changes in the climate. Were these psychic chimps? No, they're in... <laughs> empathetic okay you know and they're empathic okay so they were depressed for good reason they were prophesying like daniel of old <laughs> well if you see an an, a, an extinction event coming right wouldn't that depress you 
I mean, yes. Yes, it would, obviously. So what was supposed to happen was the happy chimpanzees that were just living life day to day, they were supposed to be impacted by the depressed chimps to be more observant. Like, oh, something is wrong. We should be more alert. We should be more aware of predators in our area. We should be more aware of, you know, possibly moving on to a new area where there's more food. So what you're saying is it's sort of like Jarrell talking to the heads of Krypton that the planet is about to be destroyed. Okay. And then we send Kal-El, Superman, away. He is the depressed chimpanzee in this analogy. My sexual attraction for you just bottomed out. Oh, damn it. (laughs) I didn't know it could go lower. (laughs) Man, we're going subatomic now. This is Ant-Man and the Wasp. What is that realm? Quantum mania. The quantum realm. The quantum realm of sexual attractiveness right there. Okay. I I mean, I appreciate your knowledge of the subject matter, but I I do not think that's... that's You don't think it's really relevant with uh, Jor-El Kal-El? No. So so anyway, (laughs) I, I just found that super interesting and that... Basically, you know, depression is a sign that there is something wrong. That depression, actually, we should stop thinking of it as the most negative of emotions and instead think of it as an alarm that is going off inside of us and inside society to warn of an upcoming doom within the troop or within ourselves. I just found that interesting because there, depression is on the rise and there's so many drugs to treat it. Well, things are not getting better. Things are not going to get better. We're in a almost a, a dark age right now as far as, you know, the climate and, you know, crime. And I mean, just kind well, of everything you know, at, all, all along the line. Look at, you know, there are so many consumers of media, okay? Not just CNN, MSNBC. I'm talking about media as a whole. Right. Films, television. It's the era of, like, golden era of TV. You know? Right. And there's so many consumers of content right now. TikTok and Insta Reels and Facebook Reels and YouTube. And there's so much content that's getting pumped out and so many consumers for it. But people like the WGA, the Directors Guild, SAG-AFTRA, all of these unions right. are like, hmm, excuse me, we're using our talent. Right. They, you know, they, they are getting paid to do it. But why are all of these huge companies making profits and not sharing them? So they're striking. Because they never have. That's the thing, is that a, a company has no interest in being equitable unless they're forced to be equitable. And I think something like a theatrical release, I think this goes back to like the invention of like, you know, video rentals. The, this has never gotten figured out. Right. And it's only become worse as time has progressed. And now you have things like HBO, which are a combination of Warner, AT&T. Mm-hmm. Warner, Warner Brothers, Discovery, HBO, and now they've turned it into Max. Right. Which is why you have something like what happened with Batgirl, where they decide that uh, they would rather take the loss because it's a corporate decision. 
Well, I just don't have access to union jobs. Like I, I don't, you know, I, I don't really work on those. I mean, I, I. Would you want that? I don't know. Like, do I want to be like working on a reality show for like Discovery Channel? I don't know. I feel like I don't right now. Mm-hmm. There's a certain level of security, you know, in those kinds of jobs. And, right. and that's great. And when you're freelancing and you're like looking for jobs all the time, security starts to look interesting. It does. But <laughs> you always know that with security comes a lack of freedom. Yes. And, and, and basically like that's one of the things about independent film that's weird is that we were really work outside of the corporate. Thanks to our sponsor, Movie Mode Merch, the graphic t-shirt store to outfit you for your next film set. Be the person wearing the t-shirt everyone asks, hey, where'd you get that shirt? Cast and crew alike love these inside jokes and filmmaking inspired designs. Check them out on Insta at Movie Mode Merch. We don't have to adhere to corporate standards, even though we should, right. right? We should have our own standards that we need to work within. You know, as far as like how long a work day is, if you're working on an independent film, you you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm only working 12 days. Like I'm working union rules. Right. <laughs> you know, we'll use the union rules, even though we're not in the union because we don't want to work 18 hours a day. It's kind of like the difference between um, if you ever watch any of those Vietnam movies, Okay. And then there's there's boot camp when everybody is on you and everybody is telling you to make your bed and that type of thing. And then you go out in the jungle and uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival is playing and everybody is smoking pot and they're frying steaks. That's set. That's, <laughs> that, that's set. Yes. That's, that's being on set. <laughs> yes. And the bombs are starting to go off and you're trying to have a beach party before, you know, you get and blown that, up. That absolutely happens a lot. Like as soon as quitting time happens... People go off. They're getting drunk. They're smoking weed. They're partying in each other's rooms. They're fucking. They're waking up in other people's beds. <laughs> yes, in the morning. they are. Yes. Um, but this innate. I mean, you know, through through the years and through experience, we we try. Even though you're dealing with adults, we try to tell people like, don't fraternize. You know. All right. <laughs> I mean, we tell people, even though they're adults that they shouldn't fraternize. Yeah, it just leads to a, a tremendous amount of uh, conflict and uh, nothing nothing really good ever comes of it. Well, and like people start gossiping and they're having a showmance and we, we kind of, you and I have kind of a joke where we're like, oh, report it to HR. We don't have HR on film sets. Like if something does happen, or if a if a let's say a female feels sexually harassed, there there may be people listening. Go, you really should have an HR on a film set. I mean, there are a lot of things that you should have. No, I, I'm well, and and on larger film sets, it's not like this stuff doesn't happen. Oh my God, yes. Still, nobody reports stuff. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't care, like you know. But there's also like a confusion. Who do I report it to? There are tremendously long hours uh, on a film set. You know, twelve hours is a long day. Most people work eight hours a day. Yes. And it's also a different kind of effort. It's more of a mental effort. I mean, there is physical effort. Absolutely. Some shoots can be very physical. Very physical. And very hot. Depending upon uh, your position on the film. You know, whether or not you're a gaffer or a key grip or, you know, that type of thing. You know, you may just be, you know, lugging stuff around. You know, points coming through all the time. But... 
it's just it's a mental effort because it's always trying to figure out you know the next problem it's thousands of ideas right thousands of ideas right if you if you think you have a film that you want to make and you say i have an idea for a film you don't have a film you need Thousands of ideas to make a film. Yes, please. And be a person who can come up with ideas in a second. Right. I mean, we were we were on a, uh, a film. Actually, we last night, we watched through the fine cut of Wheelie Zinc. Wheelie Zinc, yes. And on that film, there were a lot of variables. We were outside a lot. There were just a lot of things going on. When you're outside, a lot of things can happen. Right. And, you know, this person didn't show up. They're showing up late. This this location just decided to sleep in today and blow you off. There's a lot of things that can happen. And so much so that you would walk up to me looking at me a certain way and I would know all hell was breaking loose. And I, I turned to you one time and I said, bring it on. What's your problem? Bring it on. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to blast this bitch with some of my creative ideas and it's not going to be a problem. You're like, "Well, the guy who said he was coming to open the door isn't coming to open the door and he's completely ignoring me now." Right. And acting like he doesn't know what's going on even though he confirmed last night. And I'm like, "Fuck that guy. Right. We're going to shoot right here in front of the place." Right. Exactly. Let's take the coolest thing about the place, which is the background of this van and we'll just go ahead and, and you're shoot like, it. Yeah. Uh, you're like, well, yeah, but what about the actress that's supposed to be in there acting as a clerk? I'm like, see if she'll stay for a couple more hours. We're going to take her back to this other location we have access to. We're going to create a whole new scene for her. Right. And feature her. You yeah. Know? And it's like, just bring you're these just problems make, on. You're making shit up. Yeah. But and, it, and it's not because you're not prepared. The thing I hate, the thing I hate is when somebody, you, you know, you observe this on other sets. When somebody comes up and offers the problem and their immediate response is oh no oh no what do we do what do we i hate that i'm just like problems are your next best thing that could possibly happen because they're going to make it better Mm -hmm. now you can take something that you did plan and say fuck it let's make something completely new that happened that happened a beautiful example of that which i love was on this one film you were working around uh, october last year they uh Got a call the day, the night before. Right. The night before. The COVID call? Yeah, the night yeah. before the shoot. And one of, no, 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 it wasn't even COVID. He was just, the actor called. He's already there. He's already in the hotel. Right. You know, we're making call sheets that night. And the actor calls and says he's very, very sick and has right. the flu. Right. And can't possibly act tomorrow. Right. And this is a character who we have not introduced yet in the film. And he was very important. Basically, he was like, he was in the Scooby gang. Okay. Right. This is Fred. Fred can't make it. We've got Velma and we've got Dar- whatever the other girl's name Daphne. is. Daphne. Daphne. Thank you. And we got Scooby, but we do not have Fred. Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we have no Fred. No so- Fred. The whole the whole place is gone up. I mean, basically, we're not shooting tomorrow. Right. Like, just it was like lighting a match and throwing it into a gallon of gasoline. Right. It's like everything that we were supposed to shoot now was unable to be shot. Right. So our first rule of indie filmmaking is look is look around the room. Yeah. Well, you called me. Well, no. Well, what I said to him. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Um. Okay. So you. So you tell your part first. Go ahead. Okay. So. <laughs> This the actor says I can't be there. 
I'm not doing this film. So you call me and you go, oh, we're screwed. You know, we got to figure out how can we help this team? And I mean, we're not even producers right. or anything on this. You I tell was me, second AD. Yeah. yeah. You, you tell me what's going on. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start calling some actors that I know are clutch. We're looking for a new Fred. Right. Good looking guys who typically have a schedule that's flexible. Um, who we've worked with before and we know are, are capable. Right. They have the right age, the right... Look, right. Right. I take 30 minutes. I also know another filmmaker in the area. Right. Which was very random, small area of Maryland. I call him up and I call a couple of actors. Within 30 minutes, I've got three options and one very definite. But I had already figured out but the you problem. Ca- I call you and I right. say, here are my options. I have a really, basically a guy ready to jump into a car in an hour. Right. And but what I had asked them is, what does this guy have to be? Okay. And they said, well, he needs to be, you know, tall. He needs to be skinny. He needs to be about this age. Uh, He needs to, you know, and basically they gave me the parameters and I just kind of looked around. Using our rule of independent film. And I said. First thing, look around the room. Right. And the the character in the film who is like the big bad you know the, he wears a mask yeah he wears a mask the entire time he's it's n- like michael myers right yeah kind, yeah kind of a thing he's like a supernatural so, michael myers yeah. so i said you mean like him <laughs> and they but what do you mean i'm like well we don't see him he's an actor he's the right size right he's the right height he wears this mask and you also have a body double that plays the character that wears the mask so I understand that he's supposed to interact with, like, the Fred character. Why don't we just use the body double, and then we'll use him, and he'll play both parts in the movie. And their minds were blown. Yeah, it was just like, boom. <laughs> yeah, so you called me back, and you're like, thanks. That was a lot of effort. You had really good, you know, really good reaction time. But I Well, it was you. like a race. But, but I beat mm. you to the solution. Yeah. And that's also one of our big rules is whoever has the best idea wins. Right. I had fixed it and you had fixed it. Right. And this was someone that they already had. Uh, they already had. They were already they are, paying him. Yeah, they're already paying him. They're already putting him up. It they don't have to fly money. him in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it saved money. I mean, it was the perfect solution. To I had problem. to convince him to do it. Yeah, you, you had to kind of take him aside and have a conversation. Right. Because he was like, wow, I... I didn't know that I was going to have to be acting that much. Right. So I had to convince him. Then once he was okay with it, then I told the director about the idea. And then he was excited about it. And then he had to convince the producer. And then boom, there it was. There it happened. Right. Right. But look... If, if you're uncomfortable with that, if you're uncomfortable with chaos, right? like, whew, you, you better get right with the Lord if you're going to be in film. I mean, figure it out as you go. I mean, that's really what it is. A, working on a movie is like, uh, a, uh, like the Daytona 500, okay? You, you have a car and you have a plan and this is how you're going to win the race. But all these other cars have plans and all these other cars have an idea of how they're going to win the race too. So it's all about the driver. It's all, it's all about what that driver does and those how... split decisions. Yeah, those split-second split second decisions and, you know, when to try to get ahead and when to fall back and when to drive. How to conserve your gas, exactly. how to conserve your tires. Right. And your pit crew. 
Yeah. I mean, and that's what, and, and really that's what it is. So it doesn't really matter how well you plan the race and how, how good the car is. It comes down to the driver. Well, speaking of pit crew, um, on that film, they they were also like running really late nights because one of their locations, and we've faced that before on Little by Peep, one of their locations they couldn't get into until a certain time of night. Right. And those night shoots, man, they, I, I always say like for every hour you go after midnight, there's about 15 minutes lost to hysteria. Right. Just... <laughs> No, I don't. I don't care if you have all the sleep in the world. If when it's three thirty in the morning, you, you can't feel, think straight. You feel like a vampire. You cannot think straight. It's right. so difficult, and you know you have to you have to be careful with people because they will they will start to just break down. Stupid things will start happening. There will be car accidents in parking lots. There mm-hmm. will be, you know, speeding tickets that don't that shouldn't have happened. There will be all kinds of things that start to create the chaos right because things are things are getting hysterical it's a cumulative effect which is why it's really important to just take care of the people that are working on your film it's why you should have one day off you know i understand it's a very difficult thing to do the seventh day yes and on the seventh day god rested and you really should because even if you're young and like back in the day when we were super young doing this we we went for 12 or 14 days straight working you know 18 hour days we didn't care but i can't say that we were making the best decisions after five or six days of that oh no you know (laughs) or or even having the enough creative juice because you just kind of get creatively dehydrated you know your brain's been on overdrive for so long you're not going to have the best response. Or the Sometimes best you'll look at me and go, uh, I'm burned. You know, you know, you, you come up with something. Right. Just, sometimes <laughs> you will walk up to me. Yeah. And I'll just, you'll be like explaining something and it just turns into Chinese in my head. And I'm like, that's a your problem right now. <laughs> I have no brain capacity for that. Well, honestly, you know, feeding people well, making well, sure they're hydrated. I, Making sure have story people have sleep. I have a story on that. I heard, I heard um, there was a there was a movie that got made that you worked on helping cast extras. Right. And uh, you were an extras casting assistant on this film, and I heard that they were treating extras really badly. They were bringing them in early, making them stay super late, and not even using them yeah. that entire time. Yeah, just just basically sitting and holding the entire day. They were in holding. Yeah. Now, if you're going to have extras in holding, and on our sets, extras work for four hours, period. You get them in, you get them out. As quickly as possible. Well, and because it's an independent film, this is why. Because in four hours, if you feed them a snack when they get there, they're out before a meal. Right. Okay? They got to be wrapped before lunch or dinner. So we give them a snack, they're wrapped before a meal. That costs a lot of money to feed those extras. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And if that's you, a, you've got 30 or 50 extras. That's a budgetary concern. Absolutely. So, and most extras who've been on set, they will bring their own snacks and stuff and they know. But I... I heard of one of my good friends was an extra on this film and she went many days and uh and you know it's a day rate whether you were there for five hours or, or 15 hours no was- man it's it's crazy now because on independent films like i'll see look at the atlantis craigslist and they'll say um all day uh fifty dollars yeah 
It's just crazy. You know, and then people are just like, okay, you know, at least I'm getting something. But, you know, that could be like a 14 hour, 16 hour day, man. Yeah. Well, if somebody big was on the show and you thought you'd get to meet Morgan Freeman, you'd go do it for $50. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if, if it's like a, a big production, like a SAG production or something like that, you know, they're probably going to pay the oh SAG God, rate. I think that's $125. But... Anyway, so I heard from this extra, and she goes, they are just feeding us nothing, and they will feed the cast and crew, and then we will come in after everyone's cleared out and eat, and there's literally only, like, mixed greens of the salad left. Right. And, like, hardly any salad dressing, and, like, no protein or anything. So, finally, there was, like, a mini mutiny. Right. Where the extras fought back and threatened to leave if they didn't get fed that night Mm -hmm. and and sometimes they would start complaining and then might they might actually get them like two pizzas right two pizzas is like what 16 pieces of pizza and there would be 30 people back there right what are you gonna fight club for the pizza hopefully so she said they really mutinied this night and somebody went and cooked them spaghetti Mm -hmm. and they brought it back and she said but they put eggs in the spaghetti just drop an egg in there baby they and, and I'm like, what kind of spaghetti is that? Yeah. They literally had scrambled eggs in the spaghetti as a protein. I, you know, honestly. Maybe somebody eats their spaghetti that way. I don't know. But Look, that's th- disgusting. Guys, things go around, man. I mean, well, there, my- there, there, is a, there is a legend that happens about every film. Yeah. It's either a good legend or it's a bad legend when it comes to the people that work on that film. And uh, what kind of legend do you want to be? Because it's going to be one of the two, man. Well, you know what? In the extras world, my friend became the legend because she started bringing a crock pot of chili or a crock pot of soup or something every single day. And everybody loved her. And actually, I asked her to cater some of our films when I found that out because I found out she was actually a really good cook. Absolutely, man. So anyway, but yeah, but you you have to take care of your people. And I've, you know, they always think that food is a way to um, cut the uh, cut the budget down. Yeah. And it's not. No. Well, it's it's not just it's not just food. It's just the way that the other people that are not above the line are being treated. You know, just just in general, I you know, I really feel like the more everybody feels like they are all in it together, they're all in the same boat, they're all... And, and unfortunately, there are some things that you can't do anything about. You can't do anything about the fact that, uh, <clears throat> that uh, the talent is supposed to eat before anybody else. It's like the talent eats, and then uh, the above-the-line people eat, and then the extras eat last. That's a SAG rule, and there's really nothing you can do about that uh but anything that you can do to just make people all feel like look we're all here we're all creating together we all need each other on a film that we were intimately involved with um they were not feeding breakfast mm-hmm. and we had lunch and dinner but it, breakfast was not provided but everybody was kind of like not eating until lunch and that wasn't working so you and i went out and bought a bunch of breakfast stuff and every morning we would wake up and invite everybody over for breakfast and they loved it you know it just creates a great energy and a great camaraderie and just a feeling of you know we are uh, we want you- we we are being thought of we are thinking of you 
you are thinking of us. Let's enjoy. Let we'll, we're going to be talking about this breakfast all day long, and you know how great it was. And it it just you know it creates a great vibe. Yeah. And, and movies are made with love, folks. And vibe is very very important. That is also where actors need eggs come from. Oh yes, actors need eggs. A, a few, I think, a few breakfasts we or or even on Crafty, we didn't have like boiled eggs. And one of our actors came up and she was like, you know, we, I really appreciate you like making breakfast for us but you know actors need eggs we actors need, need eggs we need protein available at all times at all times and eggs boiled eggs are like a really simple shelf safe thing i think that is a great way to end our podcast today because if but you've I learned nothing shout else out to bernadette that's actors right. need eggs actors need eggs it's hard not to get romantic about movies Thanks for listening to Married to Movies. John and Tracy will meet you for breakfast tomorrow. Thanks to our sponsor, Movie Mode Merch. Comfortable graphic tees made by and for awesome filmmakers to wear on set and off. Check them out on Insta at Movie Mode Merch. Mm-hmm.